So, hey guys, welcome back to episode three. Um, I'm very excited to, to welcome Clelia to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad, thanks. Not too bad at all. I'm going to try my best to do a, the best of the introduction for you, um, but I'll give you a chance to, to plug in the, the gaps. But, so, born and raised in, in New York, right? Um, moved to right. Paris for seven years, uh, where you worked in more of a corporate job then took a leap of faith to come back to New York uh, to freelance, I believe. Exactly. And how's, how's all that going? Well, I mean, it's been a little bit complicated. I left my job in, I was working in e-commerce at Chanel um, for five years in Paris. So pretty corporate office job. Um, and I left in August of 2019 because I wanted to freelance and kind of have more of a flexible life. Um, moved to Portugal for six months. I don't know, just was living and then came to New York and decided, okay, well, this is the best place for freelancing. And I literally think I touched down like March, 2000, March 7th, 2020, um, And then the lockdown was announced. So my whole plan was pushed back a little bit, but I guess it's good to test how flexible you are as a human. I don't know. I was going to say, I mean, obviously taking the leap to freelance in the first place is, is a big is a big challenge. Add that to a pandemic. I can't imagine that was to been the, the yeah. easiest of uh, journeys for you. I mean, I don't know if it was that big of a leap because I had pretty... I was pretty stable in the okay. last job. So I had a lot of savings. So it really, that's, or else I wouldn't have moved to Portugal and just like kind of, you know, have fun for six months or whatever. So I really thought like, ah, you know, I have time. I'm also someone who doesn't really worry that much about the future. So I was yeah. like, okay, like I'm going to live off of everything, you know? And then when I get to New York, for sure, I'm going to get clients within the first month. And then that's when it was a little bit trying because it was like pandemic and no one was working and, you know, we were all locked down, but I mean, I have a good support system. It's not like I was on the street, but it was definitely a strange year. Yeah, definitely. Makes a lot of sense. Um, cool. And so, I mean, I guess to give the, the listeners a bit of context about the pod, um, we're going to talk about mental health, moreover, I guess the normalizing of talking about mental health in, in all situations it's a it's a topic that's close to my heart for sure um I know you've got a you've got your own journey that I'm excited to, to explore um I know we chatted yesterday a bit about you know I guess your experience with it in the last oh well well throughout, throughout your life really um I guess it'd be good to get a bit of a or shed a bit of color to, to people listening about you know your your journey so far and then we'll dive into the detail yeah um Well, I feel like I've like struggled with mental health issues since I was a kid. I don't know that I knew that, you know, right. especially having um, European parents. I think it's more of a stigma or at least something that they didn't really speak about back then in their generation. So maybe if I had behavioral issues as a young child, they weren't like, oh, you know, maybe she it was just like, okay, she has like an attitude issue or likes to stay alone. But um, I think it's my teachers already in elementary school that were like, you know, Clelia needs to see a psychologist or something. So I've been, you know, in therapy 
for probably 20 years now and I'm going to be in and out and I'm going to be 28 next month. So that's it. I started quite young. Um, yeah. And, you know, then I started being medicated, um, in high school, but living in New York, the one thing that I was truly lucky about is like, at least for my generation, everyone was kind of on medicine in high school. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't like between us, there wasn't really so much of a stigma and we would just be like, yeah, I'm on this. What are you on? Like what milligramage, whatever. I think it's more so for our European parents. Um, they were like, what the hell is wrong with these kids? Like we just dealt with life and all these kids are just like on so much medication, which is another issue. Um, but I don't know, having a little bit of a social platform, I'd say, yeah. where I post um, whatever clothing or like humor reels, I wanted to also be able to speak about mental health without my whole like Instagram or, you know, motive to be only mental health. Like, I don't want it to only be, you know, you can say I have some mental health issues and still live life and like be jolly and laugh, but be like, but this still exists. Like I acknowledge it and I want you to acknowledge it too. Yeah. And no, I think, I think that's just such a refreshing um, stance to hear. Cause like you said, I mean, obviously my, my background is, is living in that European world where, right. it, you know, mental health is getting a lot better now. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, probably one out of 10 people talk about it openly. Um, and that was one of my questions for you really to start with was obviously growing and living in, in America, from what you hear or what the sort of, um, I guess people think about America from a mental health perspective, it's, it's a lot more open um, and, and people talk about it more freely. Was that, was that, is that the case or is that, you know, is that just a persona? Well, there are two things. There's America and there's America, you know? Um, I grew up in America, but I grew up in New York. So yeah. first of all, everyone was very, a lot of doctors around me, a lot of very educated people around me. So definitely mental health was something that was spoken about. Like the first time I ever saw a therapist, it's because my elementary school teachers said, you know, Clelia isn't interacting um, in a usual manner with her classmates. So she, she should speak to someone. So I have definitely a different, you know, I, I was pretty lucky for someone who struggles with mental health. I had all of the resources. Um, I had quite a good, you know, support system and also good doctors around me. So I definitely agree on the point that there was no stigma. It was open, but you also have to acknowledge the fact that um, my, I guess like market research is like a tiny, tiny, tiny portion of, the market in mental yeah, health. Course. I don't know how it would be, for example, in Texas or what I don't, I have no idea, yeah. you know? but um, yeah, I spoke about it a lot. People spoke about, spoke about it a lot, but also being in private school, like let, not going to lie in New York city. I feel like it also almost became like a topic of like being cool. Like, yeah, I'm struggling, you know, like the dark, like I'll, I'm going to be an artist soon or something. Like, let me just yeah. write my essay um but at least it was open yeah cool and I mean it's just I guess rewinding a tiny bit more when was the first time that you realized it sounds like obviously you had a lot of support and a lot of guidance to you know how to to speak to people etc but was there a point where you know in particular that you 
thought of, I know, I need, I need, I need to speak to someone, or I'm feeling a bit different to, to, to most situations. If, if you get me, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I was forced into therapy most yeah, of my yeah. life. So I guess when I was a kid, it's because I didn't, I was always very much so in my head and I didn't interact with the other classmates. So I had to go to therapy. And then um, I actually at 12 became severely anorexic. So there was a lot of therapy to deal with that. Um, I think it's in high school um, that I actually wanted therapy and found a therapist that I saw regularly for years and I really felt like I reaped the benefits of it because I just loved going to see him three times a week even um, yeah. and speaking. And so that was the first time I wasn't in, like forced into therapy. How I felt, I just, I think that's the first time I felt depression. I, he was trying to get me on antidepressants for a while and I was like, no, no, no. And then just one day, you know, I think it just hits you and you're like, I, I'm trying everything, but physically, like my body is just not, you know, I'm doing sports, I'm doing this, I'm waking up early, but my body, there's something clinical in it, or, you know, I need somewhat of a crutch. And I think I came to terms with that. Um, in 10th grade, I was put on antidepressants. Interesting. I mean, I think what's really unique about your scenario and I guess a lot of people are probably listening to this. I mean, therapy, especially here, is unheard of when you when you go through school, right? Or as a child, or even as a teenager, I'd say it's it's still pretty pretty rare that someone would actually take that step and, and do it. How much do you think it helped you, or, or what were the what were the key benefits that you found from it? Um, you know, say someone's listening to this who has kind of thought about it, um, or is too scared to do it, or you know, any of the above reasons. What were the key takeaways for you? Yeah, so um, I would say if you are thinking of going to therapy, that's already a sign you probably should go to therapy because not like you have an issue, but you just have things that um, you want to speak about. And for example, in my case, I vocalize a lot of my issues to people close to me, but you can't put that kind of weight on other yeah. people because you don't know what they're dealing with. So this is someone whose profession it is to basically listen to you and help you sort out your shit. And that's just incredible. And I commend them for that. I would never be able to do that. Um, so that's really helpful. But, you know, I saw like probably tens of therapists before I found one. I'll always remember him in high school, Dr. Scharf, who I freaking loved. And I yeah. always was like more female therapists. I thought I needed younger therapists. And I was a teenager. Um, teenage girl and the therapist I loved was a senior citizen like ma man and I don't know he just all of a sudden became like a grandfatherly figure to, I just trusted everything he said he really and we really developed a relationship and it was he helped me through a lot and I grew a lot in high school um yeah. I was in an unhealthy relationship I got I, that I got out of while I was seeing Dr. Sharp. So I would also say you don't find the perfect therapist right away. A lot of the times you're going to hate them and it just can be like 
they asked the wrong question at the wrong time. I remember once in Paris, I tried to, I didn't do therapy for like five years in Paris. I went to see a therapist and I'm pee shy. I hate hearing pee. I hate when people hear me pee. And I was waiting in the waiting room and the therapist peed before seeing me and just hearing that happen, I left. I was like, how dare he? And then I just never tried therapy in Paris for the next five years. So it's wow. definitely like trial and error. But if you want to speak to someone, I feel like you definitely should try, but give several people, you know, a chance because you never know who you're going to connect with. And it takes, it takes a lot. No, that's, that's really interesting to hear. And I guess move, move on to the, to the next stage then, you know, in Paris, how did you, I'm, I'm sure you obviously, like you said, you, you grew a lot through, through the sort of high school years and, yeah. and et cetera. How did you take that new I guess, stance on life in, into Paris, into Europe, into, into a different um, environment. And what were your biggest challenges there? Well, the thing is, a lot of times when you change the environment you're in, you think that you're healed. I yeah. left New York um, at 20 because I was unhappy and I was so happy in Paris when I moved there and it was a new life. And I actually didn't do therapy for the years I was in Paris, but... I wasn't healed. I just changed, you know, it was all new around me and exciting and I was in love and I had a great job and Paris is beautiful and I had such a great group of friends. But at the end of the day, when you take out some of those good factors, I realized that at the end of my six years in Paris, I hadn't um, really dealt with a lot of things that I should have been. So, you know, I was enjoying myself, but I definitely think I should have still been in therapy. I think that I'm someone who needs to be in therapy for the rest of my life just because I think so much and everything's so complex. And I love being able to sort it out and put it into like little categories with someone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I've been reading a lot about, I guess, the, the ideology of escapism and, you know, it's something that I, I think I've, I've got a similar mind to you in terms of I've got a really busy mind and I find it very hard to switch off in, in any given time. But, you know, a lot of people, I think, take the, you know, either move country or, or do something new or it's a new environment to, to I guess, forget or, or minimise the, the thought process of, of what they're going through. I'd just love to get your thoughts on it. Um, I know you sort of touched on it there, but do you think it works? Do you think it's or do you think it's just a short term fix? <laughs> Oh, I am not the best person to ask because I think escapism is literally like my middle name. My friends in wow, Paris um, say, you know, Clelia, every, every single time I do a weekend in any country, whatever, Denmark, yeah. Sweden, Portugal, Spain, like when you live in France, like when you live in London, you just take the easy jet and you go anywhere for the weekend. I'd always like be telling either my partner at the time or my friends, okay, let's move here. And then I'd really look into it for the next few weeks, you know, look at jobs, look at apartments. I was never happy where I was. Yeah, but, so I definitely, yeah. that's something I struggle with for sure. Um, does it work? I don't think so. I moved to Lisbon for six months at the end of the, at the end of the six, you know, the summer was great. It was warm. At the end of the six months, I found myself in winter in a city where I had less connections than in Paris and, you know, different culture. It's great, but it wasn't home. So I went back to Paris. 
Um, I mean, that's why they call it escapism, right? They don't call it like, yeah, exactly. You know, so, but I definitely tried that out. I mean, look, I, I could have stayed in Paris and just started freelancing there, but I didn't even like New York anymore. And I just randomly decided to move here on a whim. So that was escapism in a sense, you know, even a year ago, it was complete escapism, but now, um, I'm liking it. I'm liking New York. So we'll see how long I yeah. stay. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's just an interesting, it's an interesting concept because something that I've, like I said, I'm, I'm reading into it quite a lot because it just, it just really intrigues me. The fact that, because I guess on, on the flip side to what, to what I said, it can be a way, you know, it's your way of expressing yourself, you know, for anyone who, who, who likes traveling, that's their way of, you know, experiencing new cultures, going through, going through the motions in that sense. So I think there are two sides to it. Um, I guess one another another question of mine was was around your I guess your job now or, 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 or you know, from your social media presence anyway you've anyone who's looking at it on face value you see a really happy person doing some doing some amazing things and I think I saw a comment or I think you might have sent it to me about some guy who said you you're too cute to post um, yeah. negative comments something something ridiculous and and I just remember reading it thinking. Jesus Christ! What like, if that was a genuine person? No one's ever saying that to another human in you know in real life. How how do you how do you cope with those things? And how often is that a general occurrence? I mean, it's often, but at the same time, like I don't want to be like, oh, she asked for it, but I am putting myself out there. Social media, you know, there are some people who are going to really like what you do, and you're obviously going some people won't but I think that's part of the the trade-off like I could keep my life completely private and no one would bother me but I'm literally you know broadcasting all of my life so it happens a lot I just it's funny because when I clicked on his so I had made a poll which I guess you saw where I was saying you know I've been dealing with a bunch of stuff lately would you guys like to hear about it so I definitely was asking people for their opinion Um, But it was a poll. So you can like either click yes or click no. And he went out of his way to be like, just like stick to being cute and endearing, you know, like we don't need the the rest of the bullshit. And it's so interesting because in my mind, I like kind of have a picture of the kind of man that I think would say this. And then I clicked on his profile and he was like a really talented international artist. So it's just like a lot of people are still super behind and think like the pretty girl on Instagram or she travels or whatever, she shouldn't really be able to complain. Um, How often does it happen? Every day. Does it affect me? Not at all. Because there's so much more, I honestly love social media and I get so much more um, positive out of it than negative or else I wouldn't be doing it. That would just be kind of, you know, me wanting to be productive. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, that, that's again, that's really interesting as well to hear because as someone who's probably not as, you know, I'm, I'm nowhere near, you know, social media, I've just, I've only yeah. just got back on it in the, in the last year or so. So, I mean, from my perspective, I would imagine social media can be a, a pretty negative platform for, for a lot of things, especially, you know, some of the, with your presence or, you know, you've got a lot of people that are following you, probably talking to you, trying to message you, blah, blah, blah. Um, is that not, you know, how, how do you sort of balance the, the negative with the positive or do you just block it out? You know, what's so that. funny. I actually was part of this documentary a few years ago where I said something that I still believe now. 
before I started with Provence, so like this kind of, you know, semi-professional page, I yeah. just had my personal account, um, but where I was following a lot of people. And when I had that, social media for me was a little bit negative. You know, I was just kind of comparing myself to other women or other lives or whatever. And by creating this page and making this a platform, I feel like I've taken power and I'm using it to my advantage. So when I see whatever women that I like or um, outfits that I like, I see it more as inspiration. Um, each time I post a story, I see it as sharing. So I guess it depends on the person, but taking really like this power on social media has, I've connect with, connected with so many people. Um, so I really see it as more positive. Whereas I remember when I was a teen and in my younger twenties, I was kind of just like uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's great. You just have to kind of, if it also depends on the person, I'm an attention seeker. So I really like posting things and people being like, love it, you know? Um, but it can be extremely negative. You just have to, I think you have to know how to filter it out and like know what you're there for. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, I guess the, the beauty of social media is you can you can control who who you connect with, right? And and who you interact with. So that is to an extent a, a way to deal with it. Um, yeah. And I guess moving moving a bit further on in terms of in terms of here and now, right? Um I, I know we 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 sort of talked about the normalizing of talking about mental health, and you know it's part of life, right? And and people need to people need to be comfortable to to talk about it in whatever capacity they do. Um, what do you think it is like now in not just America but in general, like from a you know your close friends or or general people that you speak to? Do you think conversations have moved forward? Do you think the stigma's arisen by any in any way, shape, or form? I think that the pandemic, and this is horrible to say because, you know, so many people lost their lives, et cetera, um, has opened a little bit of a door in terms of mental health because people who were um, prior to the pandemic more, I guess, emotionally strong or stoic have mm -hmm. also been struggling. And those are the people who would usually be uh, less keen on speaking on these issues. Yeah. And we've seen, you know, the general population kind of struggle emotionally with being cooped up, et cetera. So in terms of mental health, I think that um, now because of this global issue, people are speaking about it more. Makes a lot of sense. And I guess from your, from a general life perspective for you now, how do you incorporate, you know, how do you, I guess, how, what, what, what sort of message do you want to put out there about mental health from, from your perspective? I just feel like it doesn't define you. I kind yeah. of, I like to personify my mental health issues um, just personally, like this is me and this is my, and you know, insert whatever you've been diagnosed with, or if you're not diagnosed with anything, whatever you're feeling. And I kind of like to interact with it and kind of be like, you know, I empathize with it. Like, it's okay. You can't, you don't have to be whatever you're struggling with, you know, we're an, we're an entity of like so many different molecules. If I personify it and mental health is a molecule, I can look at it, engage with it, acknowledge it, but it's not me. It doesn't have to define me. It's just a relationship I have with that certain thing. Yeah. And that's what I'd like to, you know, it's okay to deal with it, but don't 
let yourself be stuck by saying like, I'm, I'm struggling or this, like, this is just one part of you and acknowledge it. And it probably makes you, you know, so much stronger in other ways or just more complex. And you'll always find people who will understand. There are less people who will understand than who do not understand, but it's just, although some days it seems like it owns you, it doesn't, it's just a part of you and you have to embrace it. Like the other parts of you engage with it, sometimes ignore it, but it's not all of you. And that's why I always, you know, I also wanted to start speaking about mental health on my platform because um, my platform is not at all about mental health. It's about fashion or just like, you know, young girl going through life. And most, um, Instagrams are about mental health are solely about mental health. And it's just like very like ominous and or serious, which is great as well, informative. But I think um just because I'm, you know, running around in pink outfits and like going on vacations or whatever, I can still also say, oh, like I'm depressed today or I had a panic attack. And you don't have to be fully engaged in one or the other. Like everything coexists and it's okay. Yeah, I guess I really want to explore this, like explore the journey to how you get to, to where you are now in terms of being able to be comfortable enough, like you said, to, to appreciate it to an extent, right? And, and, and accept it and, and, and talk about it. When you talk to, when you, when, you, when you say there's a lot more people that don't sort of understand what, what you're going yeah. through or what you went through, do you want to talk about some of the experiences you know, that you had that were more difficult in that sense but with, with people that just didn't get it and, you know, were just like, look, get over it or, or whatever, you know, from a... Yeah. Um, well, I, for example, I dated someone for a very long time in Paris okay. who didn't have, um, I guess, the emotional capacity that I do. And I think that a lot of people who struggle with mental health on the upside have such a beautiful emotional capacity because they're so complex. So they can feel so many things in a negative sense, but they can also feel a lot, you know, in very beautiful ways. And for us people who have this complexity, I like to call it, um, sometimes it's difficult making friends or feeling understood because in any given situation, you feel 10 times more uh, than other people. And sometimes if people are very, you know, respond straightforwardly or like think very rationally, it's very difficult to feel accepted. Sometimes I almost get social anxiety, you know, like, does this person not like me? Do they not, you know, I, it's, but you, I guess that's just how it is. It makes forming relationships a little bit more difficult, but the ones that you do form, um, are meaningful. And I think it's important not to force relationships with people who may not necessarily understand, not because they're, you know, less intelligent, but just, you know, to kind of um, keep yourself safe. Not everyone is compatible. And I feel that in the past, I've tried to push relationships a lot with people who didn't necessarily understand or appreciate me um, because I really thought that they were amazing people and it was more detrimental in the end because 
I felt very ostracized. They felt that there was so much pressure because of my mental health issues. So, you know, you, I think right now it's kind of just like a Bildungs Roman. Like, it's like, I'm like yeah. coming to terms with who I am and that not everyone's gonna, I think this is for people even who don't struggle with mental health. Like not everyone's gonna be your number one fan, but you also have to be your number one fan and know that not everyone is good for you. Yeah, no, I was just about to ask that question actually and, and delve into that a bit further. Like, you know, forcing relationships is, is, is quite a, I'd say quite a prevalent um, issue everywhere right because you know people people want to be like that's just a fact of life right. <laughs> um how how do you how did you go about understanding when to you know stop 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 trying to not, not force the issue i don't want to i don't want to call it an issue but you know force the the conversation in that sense so um you mean like basically cutting people off we're not good yeah yeah to an extent yeah that's exactly what i mean so i have not found the recipe for that yet I've grown but I think that still today um I feel like I want to be accepted in certain groups or by certain people um I think we you know it's also when you have an admiration for someone you want them to admire you just as much but if you open up and they don't understand you you feel like oh I'm I'm lesser than because they they don't understand me um, I don't really have the answer to that. I think that at the end of the day, if I come home and I had spent the, I spent the day with someone and I feel strange, I don't feel like happy or comfortable, or I feel like I'm overthinking everything I did that day or things that I said, or maybe like, oh, did they accept me today? If you already are just thinking and playing back, I've learned to, um, kind of realize, okay, well, you know, this is a little bit of a red flag. And, Too right, yeah. and then I practice like, you know, things, self-care, yoga, meditation, try to bring it back to myself. Um, I'm not a master at cutting off, yeah. but I think I'm more self-aware just because of my experience. And um, you know, if someone makes you feel good and if it's like, you're, you know, and if they understand you, et cetera, you don't come home like replaying things in any friendship or whatever, mentorship, relationship, anything. If you are overthinking or wondering the impact you had on them. Also, this is something I think we do a lot yeah. is we always think, do they like me? Do they like me? Do they like me? Do they like me? So we're always like projecting like, you know, do I fit in their world and their idea of me? And then sometimes you just get you realize wait I didn't even think like if they fit into my world or what I want because I'm yeah. so busy like trying to form acceptance and then you stop and you're like what well you know there are certain things they do that oh yeah that I don't really like either but I didn't even think of what I liked because I was so busy like trying to be what they liked so just you know being aware of that um everyone is human just as we are. So like, be aware of your checklist and what you like in people or not. Um, we forget because we always want to fit into other people's utopias, I guess, you know? Yeah, too, right. I think that's such an important point in terms of like self-improvement, self-care, like you said. It's something that, I, that I, I'm an advocate of, you know, just just having having different 
different things that you actually enjoy doing but you can do it by yourself because at the end of the day that's what you need to to make yeah. to make your life better personally right um from a work perspective I'm, I'm quite intrigued as well did 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 you know did everything have an impact on work in general or do you think it was a uh, quite easy to navigate in that sense or or even even still um for sure at some point while I was with Chanel it definitely had an impact when I started um climbing the ladder and managing a team of you know men and women who were in their 40s and I was only 25 there's like a certain especially in Europe and it's still kind of sexist um I mean, not that the U.S. isn't sexist, but um, I got a little bit, I started getting panic attacks again. And there was, you know, a year where I literally had to self-medicate before I would do any kind of presentation because, or else I would literally panic. So it definitely did affect me in the workplace. Um, Similarly, when I went through a depression at the end of my time at Chanel before deciding to leave, I definitely was less focused. You know, I always uh, commend people who are going through something. And then, you know, like in every rom-com, the woman is going through something, but then she like goes into work and she puts all her energy at work and then like becomes like a major boss and like forgets about all of her feelings. Like, no, that was not me. going to work like crying at my computer trying to like design a campaign like it I have no idea how to set my feelings or had to set my feelings on the side so for definitely affected me in the workplace you know still today sometimes just this week I delivered late to a client um my deliverables and I was just like I'm sorry you know there's not I got lucky that she was empathetic I could have lost that client you know so not it's not always easy i guess that that's that that's my next question really because i think the workplace dynamic is is such an interesting topic to explore um from a mental health perspective and a lot of people talk about it, a lot of corporates talk about it it's, it's a huge thing for for many you know high level conversations but you know i i would argue you know, from my personal point of view that it's not really a it's not really implemented anywhere, right? It's just, uh, it's a topic that people talk about and, and happy to happy to advocate, but do you think it'd be healthier for, you know, just workplace to accept it, right? And you know, if you're having a shit day, you're talking about it and and, and as opposed to putting that face on, like you said, and, and pretending the world's, the world's full of roses and, and going through it. Yeah. Well, my only work, ex- like I started working um, in France and then, mm-hmm basically only worked in France until I moved here and I became freelance. So I think that it's a lot more behind there anyway. You didn't really, you know, even at your coffee break, which is like seven times a day in Paris, <laughs> you you didn't even speak about your issues. You just like speak about like random stuff. So there definitely it's not at all, you know, no one speaks about like going through a rough time at all. Um, would it be better to, I don't know, I'm guessing it would, but for example, I worked at Chanel. So you, what you want to do is sell products, like market the product. Um, you want to make money at the end of the day. I feel like knowing myself, if it was super open and accepted to have like mental health issues, this is just personally, because I'm also lazy. I feel like I would use it as a crutch. 
and be like, you know, I'm not feeling great today, you know? So I really don't know what the, um, like solution is in the corporate world. I don't really understand the corporate world. So that's why I left it. I'm just like, I'm going to do my thing and, you know, people will like me or not. Yeah, of course it would be great if in a huge corporation, everyone kind of was sensitive to people's mental health. But at the end of the day, how can you be the CEO of a company? And like, you know, you, you, you have investors, you have whatever. It's like, that is just like, it's too different. I'm too low of a, you know, I have no idea how that works, but um, now there's like chief happiness officers and stuff yeah. like that. I don't know. I think that's kind of bullshit because at least in France it was, cause it's like you meet with them once a month and they're like, how's it going? But it's like, they report to your boss. So it's like, it's going great. I don't know what that does really. Yeah. Um, no, that's actually one of the, one of, one of the points that I had. Um, and it was, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, when I say this, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I guess the, the culture of, you know, life, let's say, let's say life coaches, right? Um, yeah. And and are pretty much chief happy officers, like you said, but just in in, in their own, in their own right. What, I mean, the culture in, in the UK, it's starting to creep up and there are a few. I mean, I, I've, I, I've, I've had a few interviews with a few of them. Um, I've never, I've never personally sort of fallen through with it, but I know it's a huge thing um, in different parts of the world. What are your thoughts on that? I don't even know what a life coach is really. I never really understood. I, I yeah. have a therapist. Like what is a life coach? Like a mentor? I, I don't get it. It's it's pretty much the same thing, right? So it's uh, it's guiding someone through. I mean, it's, 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 it's a, I guess it's a form of therapy, but it's really just guiding someone through, you know, their issues to make it a positive thing. But it's not really a, it might, it might, it might, it might, um, in my words, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bullshit to be honest. It's just, it's just like, yeah, I just feel like gig. it's someone like paid to like give you advice or something and like tell you what to choose. I don't know. Yeah, Too uh, right. um, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, and my, my other question was around sort of self-release and, 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 and having, like we mentioned earlier about having different things. you mentioned yoga, et cetera, as, as your sort of um, way of, switching off let's say uh yeah. how important do you think that is to to you know just helping general mental health and, and helping yourself I mean so important I think that if you you had mentioned that you have a hard time like you know turning your brain off and being present and that's definitely something I struggle with I mean I sleep mm-hmm. so little because as I'm falling asleep I have thoughts and then the second yeah. if I wake up just at 4 a.m for a second everything comes and I'm like all right I'm up now Um, so you really, it's, I think it's great to find an activity where you really shut off. Um, I tried everything. I used to be a big runner, but running is like walking. Like you can think about anything. It's just like automated motion. I know my dad loves running for that set, but I couldn't do it. So I tried a bunch of different things. And personally for me, yoga and like the spirituality that comes with it and the positivity. And I found this like small yoga studio near me recently and that just reopened. And I feel like it's like my, a small little community. There's always like only five people in the class because of social distancing. And now I know like the few teachers and I'm excited to go there. And like, it really, you know, even if I'm having really rough days and I'm yeah. upset before and upset after, 
it doesn't change the wiring of my brain for the rest of the day, but it's one hour where I feel happy and um, a sense of peace. And then it comes back, but might as well have that hour instead of not. Yeah, too right. And I, I think, I mean, I, I, I don't want to go too into it, but I mean, I guess, how did you come about finding that you know yoga as a as a practice and 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 my question isn't necessarily about yoga it's more about um just trying is was it a trial and error scenario or was it a you know just a just something that you've always enjoyed and and going through because i think a lot of people that that go through you know different mental health issues regardless of how serious it is do things they like but don't do it enough (laughs) if that makes sense and um you know, I, I spoke to a couple of people the other day and, and we were talking about, you know, pre-lockdown life. And it's pre-lockdown life for me personally was was going 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 for drinks on a weekend yeah. and sleeping on a Sunday. And and I can't yeah. really remember anything else that I did apart from that. Right. Um, yeah. Whereas now I'm a lot more aware of, you know, the surroundings and what I want to what I want to do and, and definitely have like non-negotiables that I want to achieve throughout the week. Um, yeah that's more that's more so my question you know how did you how did you come about you know setting times or, or setting practices every every day to you know to, to have you to have you time for example yeah you know, in reality yeah I mean because of the pandemic we've had a lot of time right to yeah. like think and kind of realize and but I mean I'm going to be real with you the most of the pandemic the first half I was just like drunk every night and not realizing anything and I think it's sometime this summer when I was like, holy shit, like I just spent like my first half of the year basically like drunk on dirty martinis. It's kind of like, hmm, you know, maybe I should do something else now and then. Um, and I don't know, I just started with doing a little Pilates here and there. And then it is trial and error. I would go on walks, but then sometimes on walks, I'd be able to think too much. Like I also am just spiritual in general. I think, I think it was very, um, drowned out by the alcohol yeah (laughs) and and um I just know that now I'm really tapping into you know who I always thought I was but it always seemed kind of like an impossibility to become that woman uh because of all of my vices or all of the things that I prioritized like socializing and mostly drinking and um it was almost like there's Clelia and then there's Clelia like in my utopia and who I want her to be. And slowly I'm realizing that I am that woman. She's not far off. I just need to make those choices. Um, you know, so when you make them, you be, you become them. Um, Definitely was trial and error. I'm just in general, a very active person. I also feel stronger when I look good, when I, everyone's different. You know, some of my friends paint, I don't know how to draw a stick figure, you know, and they've tried to make me paint during the pandemic. And I literally did not find that therapeutic at all. I was just confused. I didn't know you had to mix colors. So I think you kind of know a little bit like what you like steer towards that and then you do your trial and error i knew that it had to be a physical activity because that's just what i enjoy um it's different for everyone but just, yeah yeah I, i'm intrigued because i think just give, to give you a bit of context when i i've i've been through a, you know a few a few rough patches and i've always my relationship with alcohol has never been great <laughs> and and i used to use it yeah. as release and like 
like you said, I think the way that I used to switch off um, in a negative way was getting blind out drunk and not having a clue what I was, what I was doing and wake up the next morning full of regret. Um, yeah. What has your relationship, have you ever had like that sort of relationship with drink or what are your thoughts yeah. on people going through you know, difficult times using drink as a, as a way to deal with it? For sure. Um, I get a lot of social anxiety. Um, not if I'm in small groups or one-on-one or with people that I know well, but Mm -hmm. if it's a big setting and a party, I don't know why I feel like I'm not enough. So this is obviously my mental health issue speaking, like you're not enough for these people. And, um, I start drinking because I feel like I have to be more funny, more outgoing, more energetic, and I end up performing. And I think that everyone prefers performative clelia. And a lot of the time, performative clelia ends up more just kind of taking up a lot of space. And at the end of the night, I haven't really had many meaningful conversations, but at the end of the day, I'm using alcohol um, to feel comfortable with myself or feel comfortable or not have the silence I might have, or like, I'm a little bit socially awkward. Um, I'm nervous about that. So I'm trying to fill in all those blanks with alcohol. So I definitely am also um, working on, I wouldn't say I have the best relationship with alcohol either. And I'm trying, but I'm French, like I want to drink my wine. Yeah. So um, I'm actually in counseling for it. Um, it's called harm reduction therapy because I don't want to be completely sober, but I want to, you know, rewire my brain, um, and not use it as a crutch just because I don't feel comfortable in a situation. You know, I, I, I completely relate to it. I think it's such a, I think it's such a common problem, you know, common, common, um, scenario people go through and I actually read a book um it's actually Matthew McConaughey's latest, latest book and he talks about um drinking to remember as opposed to drinking to forget and I don't know that's a call for me because obviously you know that's pretty much what what I was doing for, for yeah. years and years so um it's it's really really interesting for you to hear that um from your yeah, point I of view. That. yeah no it's, it's amazing I mean I, I actually listened to his book because I just find his voice uh oh, 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 yeah. to listen to but um yeah, no, it's an amazing book. To I definitely recommend it. Um, I mean, I guess I guess to round off, what what are your? I mean, probably people that probably listen to this are, are, are either you know had have had have a thought process, and like you said beforehand, you should probably start actioning that thought process. But on more on the topic of normalizing the conversation and normalizing talk about mental health and, and it becoming a you know a pretty a pretty simple topic to talk about. What are your sort of key not takeaways but um messages that you want to put across to, to people that I guess on the, on the flip side don't want to talk about it and 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 feel vulnerable talking about it I don't think if people don't want to talk about it they don't have to talk about it there's a difference um you know a lot of people struggle with mental health and choose to you know not everyone creates a podcast about mental health and not everyone speaks about her mental health issues on Instagram. So I don't think, you know, we, I feel like there's like a reverse thing. We don't have, I don't want us to judge people who want to keep 
their stuff to themselves. Um, But in terms of normalizing, I think just try because there's a lot of people who understand more than you think. And I've noticed that um, a lot of people don't want to talk about their mental health issues um, because they're nervous. It may make them seem like weaker or lesser than. Whereas when you're open about it, each time I've opened up to, I'm quite vocal about my issues, but every single time I've opened up to someone who was a stranger, who wasn't anymore. And it was, you know, that point of the conversation um, where you speak about real shit, they were, I've always gotten such positive responses. No one's ever been like, ooh, everyone's always been like, um, thank you so much for being, you know, your honesty and sharing that with me. I really, I really appreciate it. So I've honestly never, except for the trolls on Instagram, but they're not real people. Like, you know, they're not people you're speaking to or people that you admire. Every single person that I've admired or wanted to form a relationship with, um, who I've opened up to about my mental health issues has always responded in such a supportive and positive way. So if you feel that you are um, in front of someone that you admire and you connect with, chances are then that's the kind of person that will be able to connect with what you have to say as well. So you just have to trust. trust. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> you know? No, no 100%. I, I completely agree. I think you it's amazing once you sort of just have a conversation with someone about, you know, what the fuck's going on a lot of people respond to it and they actually you yeah. know, relate to it and 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 are more than happy to talk talk back to you yeah. so i i completely agree with you um i wanted to end because i got this question probably about a thousand times when i reshared story uh about everyone asked where was where's best to live paris or new york and what were the two <laughs> things about it <laughs> So I, I, I had to fit it in at the end, otherwise I'd um I'd get Yeah. Trolled. Oh, that's so funny. Um, I'd say that Paris is the best in terms of lifestyle, like yeah. quality of life, beauty, etc. Um, New York is the best in terms of career and energy, but now that I'm in New York, I wouldn't be able to go back to Paris because the amount of different people you meet, um, you know, the diversity is amazing. I think that New York is the place where you build yourself and Paris is the place where you buy your pied at terre once you've built yourself in New York, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's how I see it. <laughs> I get that completely. No, look, it's been amazing having you on and I really, Thank really appreciate you, so you. I appreciate you opening up and, and I mean, I find it a lot very valuable and I've got a lot out of it. So um, thank you I'm so exi- much for creating a podcast like this. No worries at all. Um, and I'm excited for when the world allows me to, to, to finally uh, join you in New York. So um, yes, next week, right? No, next, next month, month, next month. Next yeah. Month. Yeah. So uh, and we'll meet in person and talk exactly. about this, not over drinks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, cool. Well, look, have an amazing rest of the day. Um, you too. Thanks for coming on. We'll, Bye. We'll speak soon. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye.